mental health can be a difficult topic to talk about. I'd like to change that. I'm Marcus Pibworth and welcome to the Ministry of Change podcast. Hi there, thanks for listening. Um, I decided to start a, a new series of mental health stories to coincide with Mental Health Awareness Week 2018. Um, my podcasts are usually in a more conversational style, but I wanted this to be a slightly different space. Uh, so these are going to be spaces where people have a chance to share, tell their story for, and for us to listen. Uh, these stories will come from different perspectives. Some will be about a particular diagnosis, some about a specific event, and some will be more general. Uh, some will be about a direct experience and some are going to be about sort of caring for others and, and how, how to live through someone else's experience. I've purposely tried to make the space as open as possible. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a story of redemption or how I overcame such and such. Some of them will be, but that's not how life always works. So it's an experiment, but I think creating a space for us to share stories of how we experience the world is very important. While we all experience life in a very unique way, in sharing these stories we can start to understand that there's no normal, there are no shoulds, and that we can give ourselves the permission to be who we are. By sharing our experiences, we can help break down stigmas and allow more people to thrive. So, without further ado, I'll I'll launch into it. So to start these stories, I'd like to share a recording of a story I recorded recently with Simon Richards, who suffered a period of acute anxiety following a car crash a number of years ago. I won't say too much more about it, and I'll hand over to Simon to share his experience. My name is Simon Richards, and... A few years ago, um, March of 2011, I had um, quite a serious car crash. Um, And just to put that in a little bit of context for people uh, listening, um, it was on a a typical B road, 60 miles an hour road, and I'm driving along very nicely, nice straight section of road, and a car pops out of a, a farm gateway up ahead quite a way up ahead um one of those situations where you know you you think well this is going to be a bit close as it's going to pull out so you, you know you start to ease off and the car pulled out and stopped right in my path so i hit the brakes but there wasn't quite enough room to stop um, and i plowed into the side of the car um and airbags went off you know all, all the technology in the car worked um you know i couldn't get out of the car so all the services came and i was extricated from the car um, on a spinal board just for precautions went to hospital and an hour later i was discharged and no physical injuries whatsoever and you know in the following days a little bit of soreness came out but that was all so And the, the sort of, I don't really remember much about being in hospital. And my, my sort of, some of my recollections about the actual crash were the bang, the, the noise of the impact was quite, um, is something I remember. And I vaguely remember being on the stretcher and feeling rain on my face because it had started to rain. But I don't have, an awful lot of recollection of the actual crash and I don't remember being in hospital. Um, I don't really remember the taxi ride home and I don't have any recollection of the following day. Uh, 
my, my partner tells me that we went shopping, we went and sat by the river and we, you know, we chatted. Um, but I have no recollection of that whatsoever. And when I started to go out, you know, as, as my sort of my, my memory came, came back, my conscious came back, Rachel would, would take me out and about. And what I experienced there was just a feeling that the whole world was moving at a million miles an hour. Um, you know, and there was just traffic moving around um, at normal town speeds, you know, under 30 miles an hour. And it just felt to me like everything was moving really, really fast. And it was, it was really, really disconcerting. No, disconcerting is too, not strong enough a word. It was very stressful. And I felt like I just wanted to shut myself away in the house and not go out. And at the time, I was struggling a little bit with my boss at work. And this anxiety sort of brought that stress out and I sought medical attention, um, some medical advice and my GP signed me off, um, partly because of the crash and partly because what I was talking about was the, the stress of work and I'm dealing with my boss. He was just about to leave. So GP said, you can't go back to work. You know, you'll end up doing something really daft. So you need to be off work. And you know, trying to deal with the insurance company and that was very stressful. And you know, Rachel would say to me, you know, she eventually took took that off me because she said I was just yelling at people down the phone. Uh, and again, I don't have an awful lot of recollection of that, but, you know, I wasn't dealing with it particularly well. And that was sort of the anxiety um, coming out. So it was easy to say, well, I'm just going to shut myself away. Um, but that didn't really work. I managed to get to a, um, a a group session to to talk about mental illness, and that was really weird because everybody had a very different trigger for their their anxiety and their mental illness. And there was a young lady there called Holly, and we'd named the car Holly, and that sort of brought it back again, which probably didn't help but it was just incredible how that for me was a, another trigger um thankfully my employer brought into an, an employee engagement and uh, no not a, an employee assistance program um and i was able to access some counseling through through that service and they couldn't find me somebody locally that i could visit and face to face sessions with um, so I ended up doing telephone counselling with a counsellor in Toronto, which sort of meant that they had to be at a particular time of day because of the time difference. But that was enormously helpful. Um, because I was able to talk about what I was experiencing um, in terms of you know, moving really, really fast. Um, and another thing that I struggled with was... Um, was trusting other drivers. So when it came to crossing the road, I would always use a pedestrian crossing. I'd push the button and wait for the green man to appear, but I wouldn't actually cross until the traffic had stopped. 
So if there was traffic approaching the crossing when, when the green man appeared, I'd stand there and wait for the, the, the traffic to stop before I crossed because I didn't trust the, the, the drivers to actually stop. And obviously that had quite a debilitating um, impact on life because, you know, <laughs> just stand there like a lemon almost. Um, and the, the, the councillor took me through some, some strategies to, to deal with that. And, you know, she something really simple, like she said, go and find a crossing where you can sit and watch the oncoming traffic. And she said, I want you to focus on the driver. I want you to watch what they do. And every time the lights change, I want you to watch what the driver does. And I want you to sit there for an hour. And then next week, I want you to tell me how many times the driver wasn't paying attention and they went through the red light. And, and obviously, what I discovered was that in that hour, all the drivers were paying attention and nobody went through a red light. And it was just things like that that were really, really helpful in starting to rebuild that trust in other road users because that that had been um, one of the impacts of of the anxiety for me. Um, and it's even now talking about so that was what seven years ago. And even now talking about it, um, and it's something that I think is really important to to keep talking about it. I can feel myself getting a little bit anxious about it. My heart rate is is elevated. Um, you know, my hands are a little bit shaky. So the, the impact is still there. But I think the the impact on me had I not done the counselling, had I not sought assistance and help with the the illness would mean that the the impact now would be an awful lot worse so my in, initial reaction to that crash was i'm never driving again i'm not going to do it we don't need a car anymore well that that was okay short term but obviously eventually i was going to need a car i would need to you know to, to be able to travel somewhere where you couldn't get to on public transport and Rachel needed a car for um, for work as well. So we arranged, the insurance arranged for us to have a hire car and we went to pick it up. And uh, Rachel just handed me the key for the car and walked away. And it forced me to actually drive because I was saying, well, if we're going to get this hire car, you can drive it. You're going to use it. I don't need it. I don't know why we're bothering to get this. And again, that strategy of just making me go through that, that initial phase of getting behind the wheel, putting the key in the ignition and actually pulling away was incredibly helpful in overcoming that driving. So, you know, it, it started to, again, rebuild the trust in myself that I could drive and that I could do that competently. I could do that safely. And then the, the, the counselling helped me to deal with the, the other aspects about um, my com almost complete erosion of trust in build, rebuilding that trust in other people so I could, I could go back to driving. And, and I suppose that it, it was that that, it, that really helped. And it took, I had eight sessions over eight weeks, so about an hour a week. Um, and, and that was really, really helpful. And the, the work-related stress that was sort of on top of that um, 
again, you know, the, the two were quite intermeshed as I discovered and the, the counselling again was really helpful in talking about what was causing the stress at work and how to deal with that and bringing those anxiety levels levels down. Um, so seven years on, here we are now and yeah, talking about it in this way does bring back some of that anxiety but it's a it's it's at a low level and in terms of driving um if that exact same scenario happens again then yeah there's there's an initial and quite immediate increase in anxiety because you know car pulls out in front and you know you, you get it's a bit of a cliche to say there's a flashback it's it's not you know you don't picture the whole thing but i don't there's a sort of a almost a subconscious recollection um of the of the crash and, and some of those feelings and but it's very short-lived and i think it probably will never go away completely um but because i did the counseling and I take opportunities like this one to talk about that that mental illness it helps to to keep it under control and it means that whilst there is a trigger there for some very short-term anxiety it is something that is manageable that means that it doesn't get in the way of normal everyday life um, and about a year ago, I completely changed um, jobs, which involved an awful lot of um, travel. Some of it by train, but some of it by um, by car as well. And, and now I'm quite happy to to drive long distance. Um, and you know, you go back to that time, yeah, you know, seven years ago, and I probably wouldn't have contemplated doing the sort of driving I do now. Um, but it's it's now something that is completely manageable. Um, I suppose that's that that's my my story. I suppose in terms of um, my mental illness and how it manifested itself for me, how I dealt with it, and and what impact it has now and. As I said, you know, talking about it like this has brought it back a little bit, but I don't see that as a, a negative thing. Um, I don't think it's healthy to try and forget what happened because, you know, that's a part of my life, that's a part of me. And I think it really is really interesting. It is really important to to be open about this and actually acknowledge that mental illness is no different from a physical illness. It can be it can be treated. It can be alleviated, and in the same way as I don't know if you if you suffer a you know a, a physical injury. Um, I'm, I'm supposing, you know, a, a broken bone. I've never broken uh, a major bone in my body, but or um, 
you know, you, you dislocate a joint or something like that, it weakens it. And in the, you know, in the same way, I don't know if you if you play football and you you've had a knee injury, then you know you might be running up the stairs one day and that knee twinges. And I suppose my mental illness is is no different from that. Is that occasionally something happens which triggers that that illness to return, but very very briefly. In the same way is that you might twinge that knee and think, "Ow, that hurts." You know, you slow down. You might sit down and rest for a bit. And then the pain disappears. Um, and I suppose for me, this is about sort of doing the same thing as you would do with that sort of that that knee pain. Is you know if you did that at, at work, you know you, you you got to the top of the stairs, you know, rubbing your knee, and somebody said, "Are you okay? What's the problem?" You quite happily say. I just got a knee twinge or that, that old injury came back. Whereas if something triggers that acute anxiety in me, it'd be easy if, you know, I was driving other people in the car and the car pulled out and, you know, I tensed or, or something, or I was, you know, in my interactions with them, that was different because I was, experience a, a, a brief raised level of anxiety and they said oh, are you okay you know what's the problem it'd be really easy to say oh no no there's no problem i'm fine and i think it's really important to be able to say well actually that's just that you know that's a reoccurrence of of a previous incident where i did have a crash and it, it had an impact on me mentally and i've got a little bit of a twinge and it'll go in a few minutes and I think it's really important to, to that we continue to work to break down that stigma and say a mental illness is it's no different from a physical illness or a physical injury it is something about our, our body that that reacts to certain triggers and it's important that we we, we talk about that because that's part of the healing process and it's a, an ongoing healing process it's not something that um, you know you, you put a sticky plaster on and it's okay again it's something that can come back so it's important that you keep talking about it and and being honest about what it is that's that's happening to us Thanks so much to Simon for sharing his experience. Um, I know it can be really hard to talk about these things, so I genuinely do appreciate everyone that's contributing to this. Um, as I said at the beginning, this is hopefully the start of an ongoing series of mental health stories. So if you feel that like you'd like to uh, contribute to a future episode, then please do get in touch. My email address is marcus at theministryofchange.org and you can also check out my website, which is www.theministryofchange.org uh, for more details about my mental health journey around the UK. Basically, if you don't know, I'm travelling around the UK in my little red camper van and I'm sort of talking about and sharing and exploring my uh, own experiences with depression and anxiety and creating spaces where other people can talk as well. Um, uh, if you like what you hear and would like to support me to continue to create more spaces to talk about mental health, then please do take a look at my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash ministry of change. You can find all these links in uh, the show notes. You don't have to remember them all. Um, 
but yeah basically thank you so much for listening i really do believe the more that we share these experiences of how we are experiencing life the more we can overcome stigma and all create a, a world where we can all live our true selves and not have to hide behind masks so yeah thanks so much for listening and i hope you join again soon goodbye